0: Part one chapter eleven of twenty thousand leagues under the sea an underwater tour of the world by jules verne this librivox recording is in the public domain recorded by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana chapter eleven the nautilus captain nemo stood up i followed him contrived at the rear of the dining-room a double door opened and i entered a room whose dimensions equaled the one i had just left it was a library tall black rosewood bookcases inlaid with copper work held on their wide shelves a large number of uniformly bound books these furnishings followed the contours of the room their lower parts leading to huge couches upholstered in maroon leather and curved for maximum comfort light movable reading stands which could be pushed away or pulled near as desired allowed books to be positioned on them for easy study in the center stood a huge table covered with pamphlets among which some newspapers long out of date were visible electric light flooded this whole harmonious totality falling from four frosted half-globes set in the scroll work of the ceiling i stared in genuine wonderment at this room so ingeniously laid out and i couldn't believe my eyes captain nemo i told my host who had just stretched out on the couch this is a library that would do credit to more than one continental palace and i truly marvel to think it can go with you into the deepest seas where could one find greater silence or solitude professor captain nemo replied did your study at the museum afford you such a perfect retreat no sir and i might add that it's quite a humble one next to yours you own six thousand or seven thousand volumes here twelve thousand professor aranax they are my sole remaining ties with dry land But I was done with the shore the day my nautilus submerged for the first time under the waters That day I purchased my last volumes my last pamphlets my last newspapers And ever since I've chosen to believe that humanity no longer thinks or writes in any event professor These books are at your disposal, and you may use them freely. I Thanked captain Nemo and approached the shelves of this library written in every language books on science ethics and literature were there in abundance but i didn't see a single work on economics they seemed to be strictly banned on board one odd detail all these books were shelved indiscriminately without regard to the language in which they were written and this jumble proved that the Nautilus's captain could read fluently whatever volumes he chanced to pick up among these books i noted masterpieces by the greats of ancient and modern times in other words all of humanity's finest achievements in history poetry fiction and science from homer to victor hugo from zonifon to michelet from rabelais to madame georges sand but science in particular represented the major investment of this library Books on mechanics, ballistics, hydrography, meteorology, geography, geology, etc. held a place there no less important than works on natural history, and I realized that they made up the captain's chief reading. There I saw the complete works of Humboldt, the complete Arago, as well as works by Foucault, Henri St. Clair de Ville, Chassels, Milne Edwards, Quatrefage john tyndall faraday Berthelot, father secchi peterman commander maury Louis agassiz etc plus the transactions of france's academy of sciences bulletins from the various geographical societies etc and in a prime location those two volumes on the great ocean depths that had perhaps earned me this comparatively charitable welcome from captain nemo among the works of joseph bertrand his book entitled the founders of astronomy even gave me a definite date and since i knew it had appeared in the course of eighteen sixty five i concluded that the fitting out of the nautilus hadn't taken place before then accordingly three years ago at the most captain nemo had begun his underwater existence moreover i hoped some books even more recent would permit me to pinpoint the date precisely but i had plenty of time to look for them and i didn't want to put off any longer our stroll through the wonders of the nautilus sir i told the captain thank you for placing this library at my disposal there are scientific treasures here and i'll take advantage of them this room isn't only a library captain nemo said it's also a smoking room a smoking room i exclaimed then one may smoke on board surely in that case sir i'm forced to believe that you've kept up relations with havana none whatever the captain replied try this cigar professor Aronnax, and even though it doesn't come from havana it will satisfy you if you're a connoisseur I took the cigar offered me, whose shape recalled those from Cuba, but it seemed to be made of gold leaf. I lit it at a small brazier supported by an elegant bronze stand, and I inhaled my first whiffs with the relish of a smoker who hasn't had a puff in days. It's excellent, I said, but it's not from the tobacco plant. Right, the captain replied. This tobacco comes from neither Havana nor the Orient. It's a kind of nicotine rich seaweed that the ocean supplies me albeit sparingly do you still miss your cubans sir captain i scorn them from this day forward then smoke these cigars whenever you like without debating their origin they bear no government seal of approval but i imagine they're none the worse for it on the contrary Just then captain Nemo opened a door facing the one by which I had entered the library and I passed into an immense splendidly lit lounge It was a huge quadrilateral with canted corners ten meters long six wide five high a luminous ceiling decorated with delicate arabesques distributed a soft clear daylight over all the wonders gathered in this museum for a museum it truly was in which clever hands had spared no expense to amass every natural and artistic treasure displaying them with the helter-skelter picturesqueness that distinguishes a painter's studio some thirty pictures by the masters uniformly framed and separated by gleaming panoplies of arms adorned walls on which were stretched tapestries of austere design there i saw canvases of the highest value the likes of which i had marveled at in private european collections and art exhibitions the various schools of the old masters were represented by a raphael madonna a virgin by leonardo da vinci a nymph by correggio a woman by titan an adoration of the magi by veronese an assumption of the virgin by murillo a Holbein portrait a monk by Velasquez a martyr by ribera a village fair by rubens two flemish landscapes by tenier three little genre paintings by gerard dow Metsu, and paul potter two canvases by géricault and prudon plus seascapes by backhusen and Vernet. among the works of modern art were pictures signed by delacroix ingres, des Troyon, proyon messonnier d'avigny etc And some wonderful miniature statues in marble or bronze modeled after antiquity's finest originals stood on their pedestals in the corners of this magnificent museum as the nautilus's commander had predicted my mind was already starting to fall into that promised state of stunned amazement professor this strange man then said you must excuse the informality with which i receive you and the disorder reigning in this lounge sir i replied without prying into who you are might i venture to identify you as an artist a collector sir nothing more formerly i loved acquiring these beautiful works created by the hand of man i sought them greedily ferreted them out tirelessly and i've been able to gather some objects of great value they are my last mementos of those shores that are now dead for me in my eyes your modern artists are already as old as the ancients they've existed for two thousand or three thousand years and i mix them up in my mind the masters are ageless what about these composers i said pointing to sheet music by weber rossini mozart beethoven haydn meyerbeer harold wagner Auber, guenard victor masse and a number of others scattered over a full-size piano organ which occupied one of the wall panels in this lounge these composers captain nemo answered me are the contemporaries of orpheus because in the annals of the dead all chronological differences fade and i'm dead professor quite as dead as those friends of yours sleeping six feet under captain nemo fell silent and seemed lost in reverie I regarded him with intense excitement silently analyzing his strange facial expression leaning his elbow on the corner of a valuable mosaic table he no longer saw me he had forgotten my very presence i didn't disturb his meditations but continued to pass in review the curiosities that enriched this lounge after the works of art natural rarities predominated they consisted chiefly of plants, shells, and other exhibits from the ocean that must have been Captain Nemo's own personal findings. In the middle of the lounge, a jet of water, electrically lit, fell back into a basin made from a single giant clam. The delicately festooned rim of this shell, supplied by the biggest mollusk in the class Acevola, Measured about six meters in circumference, so it was even bigger than those fine giant clams given to King Francois I by the Republic of Venice, and which the Church of Saint-Sulpice in Paris had made into two gigantic holy water fonts. Around this basin, inside elegant glass cases fastened with copper bands, there were classified and labeled the most valuable marine exhibits ever put before the eyes of a naturalist my professorial glee may easily be imagined the zoophyte branch offered some very unusual specimens from its two groups the polyps and the econoderms in the first group organ-pipe coral gorgonian coral arranged into fan shapes soft sponges from syria isis coral from the maluka islands sea-pen coral wonderful coral from the genus Virgilaria from the waters of norway Various Coral of the genus Umbrellularia, Alcyonarian coral, then a whole series of those medropores that my mentor Professor Milne Edwards has so shrewdly classified into divisions, and among which I noted the wonderful genus Flabellina as well as the genus Oculina from Reunion Island, plus a Neptune's chariot from the Caribbean Sea every superb variety of coral, and, in short, every species of these unusual polyparies that congregate to form entire islands that will one day turn into continents. Among the echinoderms notable for being covered with spines, starfish, feather stars, sea lilies, free-swimming crinoids, brittle stars, sea urchins, sea cucumbers, etc., represented a complete collection of the individuals in this group an excitable conchologist would surely have fainted dead away before other more numerous glass cases in which were classified specimens from the mollusk branch there i saw a collection of incalculable value that i haven't time to describe completely among these exhibits i'll mention just for the record an elegant royal hammer shell from the indian ocean whose evenly spaced white spots stood out sharply against a base of red and brown an imperial spiny oyster brightly colored bristling with thorns a specimen rare to european museums whose value i estimated at twenty thousand francs a common hammershell from the seas near queensland very hard to come by exotic cockles from senegal fragile white bivalve shells that a single breath could pop like a soap bubble several varieties of watering-pot shell from java a sort of limestone tube fringed with leafy folds and much fought over by collectors a whole series of top-shell snails greenish yellow ones fished up from american seas others colored reddish brown that patronise the waters off queensland The former coming from the gulf of mexico and notable for their overlapping shells the latter some sun carrier shells found in southernmost seas finally and rarest of all the magnificent spurred star shell from new zealand then some wonderful peppery furrow shells several valuable species of cytherea clams and venus clams the trellis wentle snail from Tronkbar on india's eastern shore a marbled turban snail gleaming with mother-of-pearl green parrot shells from the seas of china the virtually unknown cone snail from the genus Coenotilus, every variety of cowrie used as money in india and africa a glory of the seas the most valuable shell in the east indies finally common periwinkles delphinula snails turret snails, violet snails, European cowries, volute snails, olive shells, mitre shells, helmet shells, murex snails, whelks, harp shells, spiky periwinkles, triton snails, horn shells, spindle shells, conch shells, spider conchs, limpets, grass snails, sea butterflies, every kind of delicate fragile sea shell that science has baptized with its most delightful names aside and in special compartments strings of supremely beautiful pearls were spread out the electric light flecking them with little fiery sparks pink pearls pulled from saltwater fan shells in the red sea green pearls from the rainbow abalone yellow blue and black pearls the unusual handiwork of various mollusks from every ocean and of certain mussels from rivers up north in short several specimens of incalculable worth that had been oozed by the rarest of shellfish some of these pearls were bigger than a pigeon egg they more than equaled the one that the explorer tavernier sold the shah of persia for three million francs and they surpassed that other pearl owned by the imam of muscat which i had believed to be unrivaled in the entire world consequently to calculate the value of this collection was i should say impossible captain nemo must have spent millions in acquiring these different specimens and i was wondering what financial resources he tapped to satisfy his collectors fancies when these words interrupted me you're examining my shells professor they are indeed able to fascinate a naturalist but for me they have an added charm since i have collected every one of them with my own two hands and not a sea on the globe has escaped my investigations i understand captain i understand your delight at strolling in the midst of this wealth you are a man who gathers his treasure in person no museum in europe owns such a collection of exhibits from the ocean But if I exhaust all my wonderment on them, I'll have nothing left for the ship that carries them. I have absolutely no wish to probe those secrets of yours. But I confess that my curiosity is aroused to the limit by this Nautilus the motor power it contains, the equipment enabling it to operate, the ultra powerful force that brings it to life. I see some instruments hanging on the walls of this lounge whose purposes are unknown to me. May I learn? professor aranax captain nemo answered me i've said you'd be free aboard my vessel so no part of the nautilus is off limits to you you may inspect it in detail and i'll be delighted to act as your guide i don't know how to thank you sir but i won't abuse your good nature i would only ask you about the uses intended for these instruments of physical measure professor these same instruments are found in my stateroom where i will have the pleasure of explaining their functions to you but beforehand come inspect the cabin set aside for you you need to learn how you will be lodged aboard the nautilus i followed captain nemo who via one of the doors cut into the lounges canted corners led me back down the ship's gangways he took me to the bow and there i found not just a cabin but an elegant stateroom with a bed a washstand and various other furnishings i could only thank my host your stateroom adjoins mine he told me opening a door and mine leads into that lounge we've just left i entered the captain's stateroom it had an austere almost monastic appearance an iron bedstead, a work table, some washstand fixtures, subdued lighting—no luxuries, just the bare necessities. Captain Nemo showed me to a bench. Kindly be seated, he told me. I sat, and he began speaking as follows. End of Chapter Eleven.